0: Have you ever received a, a Christmas gift that had absolutely no meaning to you? You couldn't figure out why in the hell you got it? Or given one six months later, you wondered why you gave it? Or can you even remember Christmas gifts? You know, that's a very symbolic thing. I use that word again. Uh, the, the gift has in, in our time has, has risen to such heights now that uh, that it has no actual material meaning in most cases. In other words, uh, some people are so wealthy—not not really wealthy—they have everything. You know, you, you know the expression: to give a guy a gift, uh, somebody who has everything. What do you give them? They re- re- really remember. Well, there's a lot of things. Wouldn't you love to have your face on a stamp? I mean, really, a, a stamp that can be mailed. Where's your name? Right there. And there's your there's your face carved on a stamp. And it's beautiful. It's, it's a bas relief. Little touch of Caesar there about the way your nose cuts the air. Will your eyes look into the future. Underneath it it says our benefactor. Charles W. Gutstop. Fifty centimes. Air mail. It's what they call an off-fuchsia, eight-perforated red collector's item. Well, I'm going to tell you something, friends. If you have, a, if you, if you have nothing but a lot of dough and you would like to give a Christmas gift to somebody, there are at least two banana republics whereupon payment of possibly $25,000, $30,000 to the exchequer as a gift, a benefacting gift, now they will put your face on a postage stamp. Fantastic gift to a friend of yours. And of course, it's a, it's a, a person who has everything. You want to hear some more great gift suggestions like that? All right, I have another one. Now, almost I would say probably out of the, out of the average hundred people that are walking around the street, I would I would guess offhand that about anywhere from 5 to 30, depending on the city you go in, uh, you can take that group of people, right out of a 100, just walking down the street, and you would find that they have a vague urge to write a book. This is a human urge, to write a book, to be an author, to see your book there. And underneath it, it says, My Life and Times. Charles W. Gutstop. And you know, with the dedication inside, dedicated to Maria. Without whose unfailing efforts and untiring devotion, this work could never have been written. Wouldn't you like to have a book, huh? Well, I know a place out in, in the Midwest, I know five authors that are sitting right now tonight. Uh, in a warehouse that they have fixed up as an office, and they will turn you out any kind of book you want, a a, a perfect manuscript, absolutely ready. All you've got to do is write your name on the front of it, and in fact, they will guarantee you a sale. The book will be sold, be printed, have your name on it. Uh, Do you like to write fiction? Would you like to write a, a, a detective story? They'll write one of these for you. Would you like to write a historical epic? That'll come a little more, a little thicker, with woodcuts in it. That's a little more. But it goes from 1,500 to 2,000. I can't imagine walking in to this lady who, for years, has said, If I had the time and if I could get rid of the cats, I'd write a book. I would love to write a book. I know that I have the talent. You know, you just give her this package and she opens it up, and there's the manuscript. You oh, know, there it is. Excalibur by Agatha W. Stembottom. My God, all she'd have to do would be to make the arrangements for the cocktail party and call in the literary critics? Fantastic. How's that for a gift? <laughs> now, I'll give you another suggestion. Now, now, uh, uh, how many of you out there have a vague, vague, secret feeling of loss that you never made any team in your life? I'm talking about a real team. Football, baseball, basketball. You never made a team. Many of you have that feeling. Many a man, as a matter of fact, has never gotten over the fact that he survived the second cut <laughs> at the Rochester Institute of Polytechnique's baseball season. He survived the second cut and almost became the uh, utility infielder. He's never forgotten it. And yet he has everything else in life. He's a famous stockbroker now. He's got millions of dollars. He's got a 75-foot Hatterist yacht. He owns a home in uh, in uh, Hawaii. He's got the world of money. You know what? He's married a movie star, the whole bit. And yet, secretly deep inside, he knows he didn't make the team. He didn't make the team. Well, if you have such a person in your uh, acquaintances... And you of course are a person of great means uh, I would like to give you a suggestion I know of two major league ball teams right today that could be purchased for the right price what a fantastic gift can't you see Christmas morning here's Charlie lying there in the sack he, you know he figures he's going to get the usual tie uh, the usual you know nothing Christmas He's lying there, and suddenly he hears the sound of spiked feet coming up the steps. It's, it's 7 o'clock in the morning. There's a knock on the door, and then he hears the sound of jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. There's 25 voices raised in song outside of his room. Jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. And his wife comes running it and says, Merry Christmas, Charlie! 42 year old Charles W. Stembottom, wealthy stockbroker, yachtsman, man about town, opens at third base for the Tigers. He owns the club. What a fantastic Christmas. Well this this could be accomplished for 14-15 million and I want to tell you this it would be a Christmas that Charlie would never forget, never I suspect neither would the Tigers. But by God, if Charles O for owner Finley can get away with what he can get away with, why the hell can't? Why can't that stockbroker open a third place? Who's going to tell him he can't? Bring it up there, please. Let's hear them songs. Let's dance on the table of life. Pick up your knees, come on. Ba ba de yeah, blow that thing! Yeah, yeah. All right, hold it, hold it, hold it there. Hold it there. I'll bet you can't find me cut one side one on that. It's going to take you a little work, but you can't do it. And while you're, uh, while you're, uh, getting it ready in there. I, I. You know, I've got other suggestions for great Christmas gifts. Do you like that idea for a Christmas gift? Oh, fantastic. Oh, yeah. Can you imagine getting getting as a Christmas gift the, uh, the New York Giants football team? What a sensation. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, they're not much of a club, but that doesn't make any difference. I mean, you pull your helmet on, you trot out on a field you know oh. now that wait a minute there's there's a there's a precedent for this if you think i'm not if you think i'm just blowing smoke there is a case in the major leagues uh and i and i wonder if any of you know this i mean we'll ask you a real a trivia question there is a case in the major leagues uh a fairly modern i mean this is not uh ancient times this is a uh, let's say uh within the past uh mm, Well, not too far distant past, because if I tell you, then you'll immediately know. So I'm used to say it's not ancient days. There is a case where (laughs) a a guy uh, married a girl whose uh, father owned a major league ball team, at which point the father put the guy on the roster of the club, and he became a major league ball player. Through that interesting device, and uh, yes, and they he traveled. He was with the club for years, as a matter of fact. Hardly ever played. Once in a while, they'd put him in as a pinch hitter, or in late innings, he would, you know, when some outfielder uh, pulled a gut or something, he'd go out there and run for him. And and I'm going to ask you a question: What was the club, and who was the quote player? (laughs) Well, I'll uh, I'll give you. You know, I I won't know. I will not give you any clues. There's no reason why I should impart this kind of priceless uh, information to uh, to the uh, assembled multitudes. Well, all right, I'll I'll ask you a question about that. Another another question. In very recent times, what major league football team, uh, which was very downtrodden, a terrible club? Oh, one of the worst clubs. I mean, it was a real bad club at the time. You know, you know how football teams go up and down. I mean, a few years ago it was the Packers, and uh, now you know the Packers are the doormat. A few years ago it was the uh, uh, Chicago Bears, and now they're the doormats. So you know teams go up and down. But this this team was really down at this time. They had a head coach, who, uh, uh, yeah, he was a head coach, and uh, and he named as his quarterback his son, and the son played was the quarterback on this club. Uh, in spite of the fact that uh, he was uh, not uh, drafted by any other club, in fact, no other club would even possibly give him a job. But nevertheless, he was the quarterback of the club. What? What? Uh, what major? What club was this? This is a this is a major league football team, and uh, <laughs> and the club is still around. It's working fine. What? What? What club was that? Who? No, I will give you one clue. It was not Washington. <laughs> no way. <laughs> You're just reaching. You don't know. Let's face it. You do not know. Uh, I can. I can go on. You see, these are all wonderful gifts. I, I would like to uh, get a gift of that type. Uh, in fact, I know of a. I know of a guy. Listen, if you want to hear a fantastic gift, I'll tell you a gift that I once heard of. Speaking of great gifts uh, and, and uh, people getting stuff that you you just couldn't conceive of getting. I mean, in in this life. Uh I I was present and uh, this this is going to turn a lot of you and <laughs> be green with purple or something but uh, uh I I I just really believe uh, that that almost no matter who you are I don't care how affluent you think you are and maybe you know because affluence is only a matter of actual uh, uh I suppose you can say uh it's relative Uh, It's a very relative thing. If if you're living on a South Sea island someplace uh, with nothing but people running around who uh, have no clothes and occasionally they eat fish, and uh, if you happen to own an outboard motor and a canoe, you're fantastically wealthy. You agree. In other words, it's it's all relative. And and in our society, uh, which is extremely complex, it's it's, uh, almost impossible for many people to comprehend the kind of things which are at the very extreme top. And incidentally, I might point out, the people uh, at at, at the very pinnacle of total affluence are almost invisible. Don't think for a minute of the jet set as being wealthy. No way. These are merely showy. That's, that's not what we're talking. And don't think for a minute of, of thinking say of a, of a big movie star as being wealthy. I'm talking about I'm talking about money. I mean, I'm talking about the big thing. I mean can you imagine coming from a family that owns Venezuela? I mean uh, <laughs> where it's really so immense that they, they, there's no way for them to calculate what they actually own. But there are many families in the world like that. Well, I, I ran into one one time. Uh, I was, uh, this was when I was just out of school, just out of, in fact, just out of college, and, uh, and I began to have a faint glimmering, as many of us do, that there are levels of lives, uh, straighter of fish, if you can, if you can think of yourself as living in an aquarium, uh, think of an aquarium, a big square aquarium, you got it, Joe? Okay, and it's fairly deep, kind of an aquarium. It's not, it's not a little fish bowl. It's an aquarium. Let's say it's a 50-gallon aquarium, and uh, it's about uh, maybe two and a half, three feet deep, like that. It's a biggie. It's a big, big rectangular aquarium. If you can think of life that way, and uh, it's maybe about uh, five feet long, and about uh, maybe two feet uh, uh, depth. There's two feet, so it's a nice big aquarium, right? Well, now. Think of the fish in this aquarium as being almost microscopic. They're tiny fish. Uh, these are fish that make guppies look huge, right? Okay. Now, they're all swimming in this giant aquarium, <laughs> giant to them, remember. These are fish that are about the size of, uh, or let's say, uh, uh, well, we'll just say for argument's sake, uh, uh, mosquitoes, Little, little tiny fish, okay? And uh, now, the fish swimming at the bottom of this tank, which is a deep tank, remember the tank is about three feet deep, the water in it is about three feet deep, this fish swimming along the bottom of this tank has no comprehension of a fish even swimming, say, a foot above him in the water of the kind of life he lives. If you can imagine, this water uh, gets deeper, as it gets deeper and deeper, different kinds of fish live in it, you see, because of different pressures and so on in the water. Many fish are bottom feeders, as you know. Many fish are top feeders. And so uh, it is my thesis that above every every level, no matter what you think you know, you think you're very, yep, I don't care who you are, you know, listening to me, so, oh, you know, I, I know what the life's about, I know the whole scene, come on now, I, I've been to some very elegant parties and so forth. But I'm going to suggest to you that no matter who you are, almost without exception, I say that worldwide exception, not just uh, related to Queens or Staten Island or Bronxville, that worldwide exception, that above you, way up, I mean way up, above wherever you are, there are unimaginable heights of affluence and uh and magnificent living, if you can call it that. I mean, it's hard to define it as magnificent. All right, I'll give you an example of that. i been just out of, out of college. This is when I first began to have glimmerings that there that there is a world where, where the magnificent gesture is in, incredible. I mean, really incredible. Uh, this, uh, I'm out of out of school, right? And I'm doing a television show. I'm, I'm working at a television station in the Midwest. Now it was a big station, and in this station there were a lot of other other people, young people, going college guys and and the girls that were there. And all, I'll tell you who was there among other people. Rod Serling uh, worked at the TV station, the same station. You know who else was there? This is an odd thing. Same time, same place. Uh, there was another writer there, uh, not not only Serling, but at the same station, the guy that uh, produced, wrote, and created The Waltons, Earl Hamner. I know both of you, but the same place at the same time. So uh, here we are, the whole, the whole, this whole guy is going along there. And one day, one of the guys who was a, sort of a substitute staff announcer on the TV station. Now, you know what the staff announcer does on the TV station, if you've ever heard it. You know, in between uh, Cannon and Banachek, uh, uh, a voice comes on and says, well, oh, this is Channel 5, and he goes, all right, that's, uh, that's the staff announcer. Well, he, he'd he been hanging around there, and here it was. It was Christmas time, And, uh, you know, all of us were getting little Christmas cards in the mail. The, the station gave everybody a little uh, Christmas party and all that stuff. And so it was now the next day after Christmas. It was like December 26th or 27th, something like that. And I was in there getting ready to do my show. And in came this guy. He was supposed to be the staff announcer who was on duty at the time. He came in, and he says, He says, Uh, Hey, listen, he said, I got something I want to talk to you about. He says, fantastic thing happened. And I said, Oh, really? And he said, Yeah. He said, uh, uh, Can you give me five minutes? And I said, Sure. So uh, I went upstairs with him. We had a little coffee shop in the station, and I sat down with, you know, with the machine where you put the quarter in and the, and the rat coffee comes out in the machine, you know, that stuff. So I got the cup of rat coffee, and he's got a cup of rat coffee, and uh, he's looking kind of pleased. And I said, Well, what's up, Jimmy? And he says, well, I want to tell you. He said, uh, yeah, it's been Christmas, you know? And I said, yes, it has. And I said, you notice uh, You notice I've got this uh, new shirt. Uh, that's my Christmas, you know? And he said, uh, "He said, well, he said, uh, I'm leaving the station. I said, you are? He said, yep. He said, ever mention my grandmother? And I said, no, you didn't mention your grandmother. He says, well, you know, I've got this grandmother. She's uh, kind of old and... Uh, great gal and i said well what about her what she are you going to go to take care of her someday I think no he said uh she gave me a christmas gift and i said what was it?" it is we'll you'll never guess i said, all right uh um uh, a scooter he said, oh no come on play it you know play it right and i says well all right uh, she gave you um, a pair of tennis shoes he says no all right i'll tell you what it was he said, has she ever been to omaha I said, uh, I've been through Omaha. I was there through there once in the Army. Why? He said, well, my grandmother gave me my own television and radio station for Christmas. Did you hear what I said? you understand what she gave him? A television and radio station. It was a surprise. Granny bought the whole damn thing. Now Christmas Day, since she knew he was interested in television, after all, he was working as a staff announcer there, why not give him his own TV station? I said, gee, you? You own a television and a radio station? He says, yeah. I said, what are you going to do with it? Well, I said, I think I'll go out and have some fun. <laughs> well, at that point, I realized that there is a level of existence that transcends uh, going down, uh, you know, to uh, bond with tellers, getting that thing you wind up runs around the floor and squeaks. This is <laughs> a whole new ball game, and uh, I'll tell you, you you want to hear it? You want to hear uh, other stories of magnificence? When, when you get glimmerings, you get glimmerings of things, just little glimmerings of things. No, I better not. The, the trouble is, once you start doing that, the natives get restless, and uh, once you start the, uh, adding fuel to the fire, there's no way, no telling how far you can go. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll I know of. Uh, speaking of crazy gifts, I remember one time. Talk about a crazy gift. Uh, most gifts are, are really related to the ego. Uh, I think. I mean, r- you agree with that? <laughs> and most often, the ego of the giver rather than the than the receiver. Uh, he he wants to make some kind of an impression. He doesn't know he does. But uh, this is there's a lot of ego involved in this. And and uh, and of course, there are certain things that you can't transcend when you're when you're uh, in your own private life. You can't go out and buy certain things for yourself because it would be embarrassing. Well, I saw a company one time give. An executive, an unbelievable, funny, dumb Christmas gift. And, and he loved it. Now, uh, this guy was like the chairman of the board. You know, he's a big guy. You know, uh, it it, uh, it would be incomprehensible, the stuff that appears on our television uh, today uh, as commercials. It would be totally incomprehensible to anybody from any other country. I don't know of any other country that would have the kind of commercials that we have. Now, has it ever really occurred to you? I don't know how many of you travel much around the world, but once you have traveled around the world, you realize just uh, how truly different America is. It is unique uh, in many respects, and one of the most fantastic respects is the stuff you see on on TV commercials, especially during Christmas time. Have you seen that that uh, that commercial uh, which? It's shot in beautiful color, all, you know, nice, uh, impressionistic color. It's beautiful. And you see a girl. And she's uh, She looks like she's about 15 or 60, no older than that. You just see her face, and she's wearing these these kind of bunny pajamas, you know, little bunny-type uh, flannel pajamas, and very, uh, very teenager. She looks like she's about 15 or 16, and this, her hair is brushed back. And she's standing by a window, the curtains, you see. You just see the, her face. And she's got tears in her eyes. You see the tears, and she wipes the tears away. And she's reading a note. And the note says, uh, Dear Myrtle, we, this is from your parents, Myrtle, and we, have, uh, we wanted to make uh, the first car in your life an important event. But before you go out to enjoy this car that we've gotten you for Christmas, we want to tell you that we love you very much. And we want to make sure that uh, you come back home to us every night safe and sound. Yes, uh, as uh, we give you this Christmas gift, remember that we love you uh, more than any people can ever love a daughter. Signed, Ma and Pa. Have you seen that commercial? And then the the shot sweeps out, and you see this, uh, oh, it's maybe a $3,500 car sitting out there, see? And it's got a big bow tied around it. And uh, and there's a little snow around. And here is this girl. She's about 15 or 16. And mother and father are giving her a $3,500 car for Christmas. That would not be seen anywhere else in the world. Anywhere else in the world. And yet I'm sure a lot of people hearing this right now say, well, what's wrong with that? Because <laughs> uh, we're very strange people. And uh, one of them is that, is that uh, we, we, don't even, we don't even comprehend the depth and the width and the breadth of our affluence. Incredible. Yeah, we love you, ma and pa. And they're about, she's about 15, 16. There it is, sitting out there in the snow. I thought to myself, "Wow, that's fantastic. But, uh, you know, when this guy got this television station, now I want to point out, this lady, this grandma, who, who gave him the gift, had no, did not own television stations or anything like that before. She just happened to have a hell of a lot of money. And so when she was casting around for a gift, she gave Sonny, uh, you know, something that she thought he really would enjoy. But uh, I, could, I could tell you stories that go far, so far beyond that that you wouldn't believe. Uh but gifts, you see, relate to the ego. And one time I was I was working at a place where the president, the chairman of the board, they didn't know what to give him, the company. And I'll never forget what the company gave him. We all went in to see it. The company gave him a one hour Nope, 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 sorry, no, no, nope, nope. I wanted the other one, Joe. That's all right, don't put it on now, that's too late. I wanted that great big uh boom 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 boom. <laughs> Anyway, that was killed. But what they did give him was fantastic. They gave him a one-hour film called The Life and Times of Charles W. Murphy. Now, that's a name I've just invented. And it came on in beautiful technicolor, and it was a, a, a film that was given to him as a surprise gift. And it was a one hour film like a, you know like a, like a Doris Day movie. It wasn't a documentary, it was a, it was a film where they had actors playing it all the magnificent moments in his career as he graduates from college <laughs> and he goes out and he gets his first job at the International Widget Company and then he begins to he begins to feel the pull of, of romance and he meets his wife and, and this was played by an actress and they had this whole fantastic scene played out by actors and when did you hear the top one? they had hired at enormous cost a well-known Hollywood actor to play him in the film. What a gift. Probably cost him a million and a half to put this film together. He didn't have, had no idea they were doing this. Researchers were working putting together his life and writing <laughs> the life and times of Charles W. Murphy a magnificent Christmas gift. And he sat there and he says yeah, you know you could just see him. And then they presented him the film cans, two film cans, a one-hour film that he could play for friends when he's living down in the Bahamas in his magnificent villa down there. So would you please bring it? Oh yes. Yeah, speaking of that, I know a guy who was given a tropical Caribbean island as a Christmas gift. Not only a tropical Caribbean... Not don't don't come and say what do you mean not, I'm an uninhabited? No way. His had about a forty-room hotel on it, which was part of the gift, a landing strip and an airport, a roadway system, and a few little niceties like uh, twenty-six miles of uh, unspoiled beach. Uh, you know, when you're going to do it, do it in style, friends. Forget those cap-snappers that really, really work. Go on, go all the way, go all the way. been listening to Gene Shepard, humorist, author, and recipient of the Mark Twain Award for 1976.